Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number three of Revelation chapter 18. And we're going to be reading the first two verses. Revelation 18, verse 1. And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. And I'll stop reading there. Now, last time we were discussing the uh, glory as the Bible speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ coming in the time of judgment and sitting upon the throne of his glory. And he comes with his saints, with the holy angels or holy messengers. And we also discuss the strong voice which in the Greek is megas phone, and how that often introduces judgment day. And that's what's going on here in these first couple of verses. The angel coming down from heaven is Christ himself, and he is coming in power and glory, as we, we read in Matthew 24.30 and some other places. And yet, We also read here that at this time of Judgment Day, it says the earth was lightened with his glory. And what does that mean? What is God telling us when he says the earth is lightened? Well, let's take a look at this word. It is um, a Greek word that would be pronounced photizo. Um, I, I suppose it's related to photo, where we get our English photograph from, but it's photizo, it's Strong's 5461 in the Greek, and it's translated as lighteth in John chapter 1, and in verse 9 it says, That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And it's referring to Jesus Christ, that he is the true light. And the word lighteth is the same word that we have in our verse in Revelation 18, verse 1. Now, uh, we can tell um, through its use in John 1, 9, that it's not really talking about a physical light, but more of a spiritual light. Also, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 5, it says there, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God, who both will bring to light. And, and again, it's more of a spiritual light than a physical light. It's not 
not the light of the sun, but a light that involves spiritual things. In Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians 1, we'll read verses 17 and 18. It says there that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And that's our word translated here as enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And this is what God does with his people as they read the Bible. He opens up our eyes to understand, and and that's how we come to truth. We're able to see. We're able to understand parables and the spiritual meanings that God has hidden in his word because he grants understanding to our minds. It's as though our minds can see, but it's all spiritual. It's, of course, not talking about um, physical light occurring in our minds, but it's a, a spiritual discernment that God gives his people. Also in Ephesians chapter 3, it says, in beginning in verse 8, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. The word see is a translation of photizo, of the word we're looking at. And to make all men see or or be enlightened. What is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world has been hidden? God who created all things by Jesus Christ. And God does reveal certain mysteries to the Apostle Paul. And he writes of those mysteries. Mysteries of hidden truth in the word of God. And, and to see them is to be enlightened to come to an understanding of what the Bible is saying is to be enlightened to its truth. And that's exactly what's in view here in verse 1. At the time of Judgment Day, the earth is lightened with his glory. The earth, where the elect are still living, and and remaining until the completion of the period of Judgment Day, God is opening up His Word. He is still bringing progressive revelation. Uh, remember in Romans chapter 2, in verse 5, God is speaking of the Day of Wrath, and He joins it together with a time of revelation. It says in Romans 2, 5, But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath. And is a conjunction word that joins two ideas together. The day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So the day of God's wrath is also the time in which 
he reveals his righteous judgment. And that's exactly what has been happening. We have been learning the judgment of God before leading up to May 21, during the time of the Great Tribulation, we learn there was no eternal hell. And that that also relates to God's righteous judgment. And yet, we've learned much more about his judgment since May 21, 2011, when Judgment Day began. We have learned it's a spiritual judgment on the world, just as it was on the church. We have learned that it's a time of no salvation. That's the primary judgment of mankind. We have learned that it's God's plan to leave his people in the world during the time of judgment. And we've learned that the people of God will be severely tried and tested throughout the period of judgment day. And we've we've learned that as the people of God go through this time period, they are making manifest their judgment that they experienced in Christ from the foundation of the world. That's when their sins were paid for, just as Jesus paid for the sins of his people. And and that's the time he died making payment. And that's the time we would have made payment in him But Christ came a second time to demonstrate the things he had done in 33 AD. We are being brought before the judgment seat of Christ in this prolonged day of judgment to make manifest likewise that of the things done in him from the foundation of the world and, and so forth. We've just learned a great many things some things never before understood regarding Judgment Day. And and that's what God is saying here. The earth is lightened. It, the eyes of our understanding. We are seeing the information in the Bible regarding the time of the end in a different way, in a, a much clearer way due to our vantage point of living in the days after the tribulation. Now, for instance, we can map out God's final judgment program. There's the judgment that began at the house of God, that it continued for 8,400 days, and then transitioned to the judgment on the world, which very likely continues for 1,600 days. And, and that means now we can see the total complete judgment of 10,000 days overall. And and all this is part of God revealing truth to his people uh, according to his timetable, not ours. Uh, it's all been according to the will and, and to the design of God that we learn the things we have learned in the time we have learned them. Uh, just Just think of the information we learned about the Great Tribulation once we were into the Great Tribulation, several years into it. Uh, we we learned in 2001 that uh, the Great Tribulation began in 1988. We learned 13 years later about, in 2001, that the Church Age had ended 13 years prior 
and and it was time to come out of the churches. Well, God has a timetable for the revealing of truth, and sometimes it's after he has already acted that that we follow along and and he opens up our understanding and then um once we we realize what he has done then the true believers are put into motion and we take action by God's spirit moving within us to will and do of his good pleasure now that's nothing new sometimes you hear people say oh uh, you're seeing these things after the fact and therefore that sort of uh makes it illegitimate uh, you you should see these things before you should know there was a spiritual judgment on May 21 2011 before it happened or you should know the church age is over before God ended the church age well how can we know those things how can we know anything apart from God granting us understanding and God held back information throughout the the entire church age he sealed up his word until the time of the end and then he gradually opened up things and more and more information and it's all according to his perfect will we can't dispute and argue with him concerning the timing of when he opens up truth just for for instance here's a historical example that really should quiet those who say, well, you you must know these things beforehand. In the days of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ told his disciples directly on a few occasions that he must go to the cross, he must die, and the Son of Man would rise again after three days. And the Bible says they understood none of these things. And likewise, they had some faulty understanding concerning what the cross was. That they they did not view the cross as a tremendous victory, as a a great um, defeat of Satan. They did not view the cross as a time of triumph for the kingdom of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Prior to Christ going to the cross and dying on the cross. Remember how dejected those two disciples were on on the road to Emmaus? Uh, they, uh, they were cast down. Oh, we had thought they said that he would be the one to deliver us. And you, you could hear the disappointment. You could hear the sorrow that... Um, that he had died on the cross, uh, this, this Messiah. We, we had thought he was the one. And yet now he, he's in a tomb. But remember how Christ rebuked them? Well, let, let's turn to Luke 24. And in verse 25, it says, Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And and they drew nigh unto the village. And, and uh, verse 31, And their eyes were open, 
and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. After the fact, after the crucifixion, after the rising from the dead, then the Lord Jesus encouraged his people by showing them the truth from the word of God that the things that happened were according to the prophecies of the Bible, that it was all done by the determinate forecounsel of God. Christ dying on the cross was fulfilling the Father's will There was no defeat. It was the greatest of victories. It was a tremendous triumph. Satan was bound. Satan was cast into a bottomless pit and sealed for a thousand years. And for the duration of the church age, for almost two thousand years, he would not be able to conduct himself in the world as he had previously. God's word had won And it it was a tremendous victory over the kingdom of Satan. Despite how it it appeared and how it looked, it, 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 it didn't look that way with Christ dying on the cross and, and people reviling him, the Roman soldiers mocking him. Everything seemed to say that the enemy, Satan, is the one who had won the battle, and yet, no, no, God revealed it after the fact to his people, and from that point on, they glory, they exalted in the cross. Likewise, on May 21, 2011, the appearance, the way it looked, was all had failed, all had gone wrong, everything uh, was off, where was the earthquake? Where was the rapture? And and yet God began to explain to us, just as Christ explained to the disciples. And God explained, of course, through his word, the Bible, to us. And opened up the eyes of our understanding. And as he does that, as we are enlightened through the word of God, as God's spirit guides us into all truth, then we're encouraged, then we're comforted, then we're strengthened, and then we realize that the day of judgment, May 21, 2011 it began, is a time of enormous triumph. It is a time of great glory for the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom. It it, it really is a similar parallel to the mistaken way the cross was viewed initially to the mistaken way that Judgment Day beginning was viewed by practically everyone, if not everyone, on earth. And and then God slowly reveals the things he has done. And, and so we are greatly encouraged now. And the people of God, uh, through God's word, he has lifted us up. Uh, from our feeble knees and made straight paths for our feet. 
and and now we're encouraged to look up for our redemption is nigh. We see the signs in heaven that Christ has given concerning the coming of the Son of Man and the end of the world. The sign is the spiritual blackness, the darkness that has come upon the earth. That is the sign that Matthew 24 and other passages gives us. All right, let's go back to Revelation 18. And it says, verse 2, And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. And once again, the strong voice is megasphone. It's the grand introduction, the the voice of God, which is the word of God, and and see how the the word lightened the earth was lightened with his glory, and he cried mightily with a strong voice, megasphone. The the enlightenment relates to the judgment, the introduction of the judgment the time of the end of the world, the final wrath of God being poured out upon the kingdom of Satan, and his kingdom is typified by Babylon. Babylon, as Satan is typified as the king of Babylon, and the kingdom itself as Babylon, this great kingdom. Remember how the king of Babylon in the book of Daniel uh, gloried in the greatness of his kingdom, in his pride and in his arrogance. And uh, likewise, Satan gloried in the kingdom that uh, he had won through right of conquest in the Garden of Eden over mankind. And more than that, at the time of the end, the time of the beginning of the Great Tribulation, God loosed him. And his kingdom increased and grew and multiplied in wickedness. And when people increase their wickedness, and when deceitfulness and lies multiply, then Satan is the one who is being paid homage, and because he's the father of lies. So it was a, a tremendous time for him in the world, and in the church finally, the churches and congregations of the world were defeated. He had constantly, from the very beginning, tried to overcome the churches. Uh, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, when the seven churches in Asia Minor, Minor are established, uh, we, we find reference to the synagogue of Satan, or we find reference to emissaries of Satan, um, Jezebel and, and others that had infiltrated into the churches and, and tares were sown amongst the wheat for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and Satan had certain triumphs. He, he could defeat a local congregation and at times he could defeat a whole denomination if that denomination thought itself superior and the authority over the Bible and became another gospel, then that whole denomination came under the power of Satan. But still, Christ was in the midst of the church and using the churches that remain relatively faithful to the word of God, at least recognizing the Bible, 
as the word of God and as the authority and, and Christ was in the midst accomplishing his purposes. Satan could do nothing about it. He couldn't stop it. He couldn't prevent it. And not until 1988, the 13,000th year of Earth's history, and suddenly he is loose from his bonds, and now he's able to do all that he has desired to do in destroying the church. His emissaries are throughout, and and now, though, it's been given to him. God has abandoned the church, turned it over to him. The daily was taken away, and the abomination of desolation set up. Now, fully, the man of sin, Satan, takes his seat in the temple, showing himself that he is God. And and Babylon is now ruling. Babylon has conquered Judah, and Satan, the king of Babylon, is ruling over Judah or over the churches and congregations of the world. The entire corporate church becomes a part of Babylon. And and it's a part of the kingdom of Satan. He rules over many provinces. One of them is Judea, or one of them is the church, along with all the other kingdoms of the world. Babylon is all of those things. It's not just the church, but it is, in including the church, the entire kingdom of Satan that is made up of all the unsafe people of the world now in the church and outside the church, all have been worshiping the king. They have been serving the king of Babylon, Satan. But in at the time of Revelation 18, it's the time when Babylon falls. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. No longer is it spreading out its wings and or no longer is it conquering the nations in a, a a mighty rampage no longer is it defeating the enemy no that was during the 70 year period historically during the great tribulation satan could not be defeated because god willed it so but at the end of the 70 years babylon fell at the end of the Great Tribulation, May 21, 2011, which was that day, the very uh, 23rd full year, and the exact 8400th day of the Great Tribulation, it was the end of the period of Babylon's rise to power and glory, and the time when Christ took the kingdom, he brought judgment upon Babylon, and Babylon fell spiritually. Satan's kingdom fell to Christ as historically Babylon fell to the Medes and the Persians. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.